This podcast is from the Rand Corporation, a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more Rand analysis, reports, and commentary on issues at the forefront of today's policy debate, visit www.rand.org. I'd like to welcome you to Rand's monthly congressional briefing series. For 60 years, the Rand Corporation has provided policymakers with independent, objective research and analysis on key national security, domestic, and international issues. RAND work helps members of Congress and their staffs make better informed decisions on the nation's pressing challenges. Today's briefing focuses on the impact on civilian wages of Reserve and Guard members after they return from being deployed. Do their civilian wages drop because they were deployed? Does this affect any particular group more than others? David Lofgren, a senior economist at the RAND Corporation and faculty member of the Pardee RAND Graduate School, will address these issues as well as others. His research focuses on applied topics in labor economics, demography, and insurance. Today's briefing is being recorded. A video will be available online at www.rand.org tomorrow, or you can listen to today's discussion by subscribing to RAND's congressional briefing series on iTunes. David? Okay, uh, thank you, Shirley, and thank you, uh, everyone here, for taking time out of your busy days to hear about this research. Uh, as we all know, the reserve components have been used at an extraordinary level since September 11, 2001, and hundreds of thousands of uh, reserve and National Guardsmen have been deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan, and other locations. Uh, and also, of course, uh, hundreds of thousands of these individuals have returned home from these deployments to face the challenges of becoming reintegrated into civil society. And of course, there's a number of challenges uh, when a reservist comes home and hardships that they've faced. Uh, but one of those might be that their uh, civilian careers might have been uh, damaged in one way or another as a result of their deployment. Um, during deployment, uh, of course, it's possible that the uh, increase in their military pay that they received during that period of time might not sufficiently compensate them for any lost civilian earnings that they received during that period. And in fact, that's how this whole line of research began uh, back in 2004 when the Office of the Secretary of Defense commissioned uh, RAND to study reserve earnings. And what we did at that time was we matched uh, military personnel records to uh, earnings data that were available from the Social Security Administration. And that research uh, showed uh, quite convincingly and contrary to survey evidence that had been published at the time, uh, as well as anecdote, that reservists in fact earn substantially more while they're deployed than in their civilian occupations. Uh, we also found in that research that their spouses uh, earn somewhat less during that period of time, which is not entirely surprising, but that if you look at the, the sum of household earnings, that in fact they increase sharply uh, during the period of deployment. Um, Following deployment, when reservists are, are back and they're trying to uh, become, uh, rejoin their civilian employer, uh, there could be a variety of reasons why their civilian earnings might fall uh, relative to what they were earning prior to deployment. Uh, one of those could be that they have a, some sort of re-employment re problem. Um, this could be uh, um, uh, related to any number of different issues. Uh, they could come back uh, with an injury that might uh, compromise their ability to participate in the labor market. Um, it's also possible that they have a foregone uh, civilian, or in fact they have foregone civilian labor market experience, and that in and of itself could uh, depress their wages 
Uh, and of course, they might have other uh, difficulties adjusting to civilian life. Now, I'm sure many of you in the room are aware of a federal law, uh, USERA, the Uniform Services Employment and Reemployment Rights Act. Uh, and this federal law protects the civilian jobs of activated reservists. Uh, specifically, it guarantees the right of reservists to return to their pre-activation job and to receive any firm-wide or tenure-related tenure salary increases. Uh, nonetheless, USERA might not fully protect their earnings. Uh, their job might be eliminated. They might uh, miss an opportunity for a merit-based promotion. Uh, they might miss an opportunity to change to some other job that had higher earnings. They might, uh, again, come back with some sort of physical or mental disability. Uh, USERA does not, in fact, cover the self-employed individuals. Uh, and finally, compliance with USERA is not universal. Uh, so for any number of reasons, reservists might come home and they might face challenges uh, rejoining their civilian employer, and as a result, they might have uh, uh, see their earnings fall. So with this as the background, uh, OSD was uh, very interested in having us look at not only what had happened to reservists while they were deployed, but what happened to uh, them when they came back from their deployment in terms of their civilian labor market outcomes. So to preview our findings uh, from this research, uh, we find that relative to non-deployed reservists, the civilian earnings of deployed reservists do in fact fall in the first year that they return uh, by about 4%. Uh, however, these earnings recover fully within three years of the end of their deployment. And we think that this short-term civilian earnings decline uh, that we observe in this very first year following deployment is at least partly uh, the result of voluntary unemployment in that first year when they get back. And we'll discuss a number of reasons why we think that's the case. So the way we'll organize this uh, presentation today is we'll first of all review the evidence about what happens to the civilian earnings of reservists uh, one year and then three years after they return from deployment. And then we'll discuss what, uh, or we'll, uh, yes, have a discussion about what explains these results, uh, especially in the first year after return. So using this uh, same data set that we used to look at earnings while reservists were deployed, uh, and again, this is military personnel records that are matched uh, directly to earnings data that are available from the Social Security Administration, we compute effectively the difference in the earnings uh, of reservists, their civilian earnings, between the period of um, uh, where they return, uh, in this example in 2005, and in some prior period prior to deployment in 2002. So it's the difference between their earnings in 2005 and 2002, and of course in the intervening years in 2003, 2004, these reservists are uh, being deployed for some period of time. And we define deployment in a very particular way. We actually talk about it in terms of number of days that they are serving uh, full-time active duty. Uh, so not being deployed is equivalent to serving zero to 30 days on uh, active duty. Being deployed is serving some larger number of days uh, between 2003 and 2004 would be 61 or more days. Uh, and then of course, when they get back again in 2005, we're again looking at them serving zero to 30 days. And importantly, these are the same groups of, of, of individuals. Uh, so the picture is meant to, to emphasize the fact that we're able to track uh, the same people over time and look at what happens to their earnings. Okay. Now, that gross change in earnings for the reservists who are deployed between the sort of pre and post period, um, that's an interesting number, but it's also not sufficient to really understand what the impact of deployment is on reservists because what we really want to do is we want to understand we want to answer the question, what would have happened to this reservist had they not been deployed? 
So we want to have some estimate of this kind of counterfactual experience. And of course, for a given individual, uh, it's not feasible to compute that because you can't be both deployed and not deployed at the same time. Uh, but what we can do is we can look at groups of reservists who were not deployed over this period of time and use them as, a, as the, effectively the control group in our experiment. They're the individuals who are continuing to work in their civilian occupations. And so what happens to the deployed reservists relative to the group that's not deployed is an estimate of the effect of deployment on earnings. And we're able to make this uh, comparison controlling for a variety of important characteristics. This would include the beginning and the end date of the deployment, uh, the length of the deployment, uh, the pay grade of these individuals, and the component uh, in which they serve. So this figure shows us uh, the difference between the earnings of non-deployed and deployed reservists in uh, the pre-deployment period. And so for this particular example, the pre-deployment period is 2000, 2001, and 2002. The blue line represents the earnings of the not-deployed individuals, the people who are not going to be deployed subsequently, and the red line is the earnings of the individuals who are deployed later. And what we see, first of all, is that there is, in fact, a difference between the civilian earnings of these two, these two groups of reservists even before they're deployed. Okay. Now, these uh, particular uh, figures control for differences in the distribution of pay grade and component across these two groups, so that doesn't explain the difference. So it's other uh, factors that we can observe in our data um, that are driving, uh, this is approximately a $1,000 difference in the annual earnings of the, these two groups of individuals, their civilian earnings in particular. So our thought experiment is what we can observe in the data is we can observe what happens to the earnings of the, the people who are not deployed over this period of time. That's the blue line. And we can observe them through 2003, 2004, and then to this post-deployment period in 2005. And what we're going to assume is that the earnings of the deployed group would have effectively tracked that same, would have experienced that same earnings growth over that period of time had they not been deployed. Okay, and that's represented by the uh, dashed, uh, dashed line there. So we can think of that dashed line as being essentially the counterfactual. It's what would have happened to their civilian, civilian earnings had they not been deployed. Now, during the period of deployment, as we might expect, the civilian earnings of reservists fall uh, considerably. Uh, not surprising, since they're not available to work in their civilian occupation for as many days. And so we see a large decline in their civilian earnings. Uh, they begin to recover in 2004 as this group of reservists are starting to return home. And so the question uh, that we're, the central question that we want to ask is, well, what happens in 2005 when they're back and they're no longer serving on deployment? Uh, and what we see is a gap in their earnings relative to what they might have been earning of about $1,300. Okay, so their civilian earnings have declined by about $1,300 relative to what they might have made had they never been deployed, and that's approximately about a 4% uh, change relative to their baseline earnings. Okay. Now, that was an average figure across all reservists who were deployed during that period of time. Uh, but what one sort of uh, very salient um, uh, grouping of reservists might be by the length of deployment, how many days they were deployed between 2003 and 2004. And what we see here is that we see much larger earnings losses in the year that they return. Uh, for those reservists who are serving for lengthy uh, deployments, more than, more than a year, 360 days. Uh, for that group of reservists, the earnings loss is approximately $2,500 in that first year following deployment. Now, uh, what we might have expected to see uh, a priori would be 
a uh, sort of a natural progression of a sort of increasing earnings losses in the year that they return with days uh, serving on deployment. Uh, we don't exactly see that in this figure. Instead, we see um, variation, uh, uh, sort of low losses for these groups that are deployed less than 360 days, and then this kind of large loss for the, the group that was deployed for a long period of time. Okay. Now, uh, in this particular cohort, we're able to track them through 2007. Uh, in our earnings data. And so what we can see is that while there's a gap in 2005 of about $1,300, that gap completely disappears by 2007. So that in 2007, the civilian earnings of these deployed reservists have effectively completely recovered um, relative to what they might have been making had they not been deployed in the first place. Okay. And again, we can cut that by days deployed in 2003, 2004. Uh, we see that, in fact, there are some groups of reservists who are, uh, seem to experience long-run earnings gains, those reservists in the kind of the 181 to 360 group. Um, for others, there doesn't seem to be any effect. And then, curiously, for this group that was deployed for a relatively short period of time in 2003, 2004, we actually see this sustained earnings loss uh, in 2007. Um, this figure controls, again, for differences in pay grade and components, so that doesn't explain uh, any variation that we see here. Um, and so it's sort of a puzzle, basically, for us about why this, this, this one group who was deployed for a short period of time uh, has this sustained loss. Uh, one possibility might be that these reservists were, in fact, individuals who um, experienced uh, some type of injury or had some other reason why they had to curtail their deployment um, in 2003-2004, and that, in fact, had its uh, long-term implications for their civilian labor market earnings. So what explains the results uh, one year after return? Uh, I'm going to return to some evidence that actually comes from other research that we've done uh, that uh, is at least a sort of, in my mind, a partial explanation for why we see these short-term earnings losses in the first year following return. Uh, and to get at that, I think it's worth noting um, uh, a very particularly important trend, actually, that occurred uh, during this period of time, which was that uh, the unemployment compensation for ex-service members, which is the uh, military's uh, uh, counterpart to the civilian unemployment insurance system, claims for UCX roughly doubled between 2001 and 2005. And we have research that's shown that this doubling of the UCX claim rate was largely uh, attributable to uh, reservists. So we had large numbers of reservists who are coming back and claiming uh, UCX, and in fact we have estimates that suggest about 20% of reservists who return from a deployment um, and are eligible for UCX, in fact, claim UCX in that first year following deployment. Uh, so a fairly large refraction of uh, reservists who come back are uh, unemployed uh, um, in terms of receiving UCX in that first year. Now, it turns out that from other uh, data sources that we have, uh, in particular uh, survey, the Status of Forces Survey of Reserve Component Members that was conducted in 2007, that we can um, ask them, or they were asked, why they did not uh, work effectively in that first year following deployment. Uh, specifically, they were asked why they didn't return to their pre-deployment uh, employer. And we can break out these reasons into um, involuntary, voluntary, or uh, both. And so it turns out that about 40% of reservists who uh, answered this survey and were not working in that first year cited essentially voluntary reasons for not returning to their pre-deployment uh, employer. About 26% cited involuntary reasons, and then 34% cited uh, both voluntary and involuntary reasons. 
And it's worth looking at uh, what these uh, reasons are. So among the reasons for involuntary unemployment, we have things like the employer went out of business, um, the reservist particular, their particular position was eliminated, um, the employer didn't provide for prompt reemployment, um, so essentially a violation of USERA, um, or they were recuperating from some type of illness or injury. And so we categorize those as being involuntary. The voluntary reasons uh, include just simply not liking the job that they had prior to being deployed. Um, some, sometimes people come back and say, I just needed a break. I didn't really want to go back to work right away. Or sometimes uh, people go back and they decide that they want to attend school. Okay. So again, about 40% of our reservists who are claiming UCX in that first year following deployment are citing these kind of voluntary reasons for being unemployed. <clears throat> now I think that there's a variety of reasons why uh, reservists might come back and choose not to enter the civilian labor market immediately following deployment. Um, one reason, of course, is that they, they had very high earnings while they were deployed relative to what they um, were earning uh, before deployment. Uh, this figure shows that while their civilian earnings uh, fall by about $8,600, their military earnings during that same period of time increased by $18,000, and so the net increase actually on an annual basis for this deployment is on the order of $10,000. Um, so they have very high earnings while they're deployed, and, and that earnings uh, is there to maybe uh, uh, is there to essentially support them uh, when they first get back, and maybe deciding not to work. Um, they're also uh, their actually their leave, their time away from their employer is protected time under USERA. So they have about three months to rejoin their civilian employer. They don't actually have to go back right away. Um, they may have accrued, or almost certainly have accrued, paid leave in the military as a result of their active duty service, and so they may be receiving uh, additional income from the military. Uh, and finally, of course, they have a, those uh, UCX benefits may be available to them, and that may also provide income to them while they're not working. So for a variety of reasons, I think reservists might come back and uh, have a period of voluntary unemployment that is supported by um, earnings or income from a variety of different sources. So finally, I think it's worth mentioning that although we do find this uh, short-term earnings loss in that first year uh, following deployment, that it's worth thinking about what's the cumulative effect of deployment on the earnings of these reservists. And what this graph is showing you is effectively adding the sort of the income gain that they experienced while they were deployed uh, and then adding in this uh, relatively small earnings loss in the year that they get back. And what we see is that by 2007, their cumulative earnings over this period of time are about $15,000 higher uh, than they would have been had they never been deployed. So even though they experienced the short-term earnings loss in 2005, and maybe it spills over into 2006, that the, uh, the large increase in their earnings during their actual deployment period uh, more than compensates for that decline. So to summarize, um, relative to non-deployed reservists, the civilian earnings of deployed reservists fall by about 4% in the year following deployment. Uh, for those who are deployed for more than one year, the effect is considerably larger, about double, 8%. Um, but even so, when we look at all these different groups of reservists, the net effect of deployment on cumulative earnings is still positive. Um, and also, importantly, uh, within a few years, the civilian earnings of these reservists uh, in virtually all groups have recovered to their pre-deployment levels, or what they would have made had they never been deployed. Uh, and finally, we think that uh, uh, a good portion of this decline that we see in civilian earnings in the first year following deployment is likely the result of uh, voluntary unemployment. So thank you very much. This concludes the recorded portion of today's presentation. 
and we'll now open the audience to the audience for questions. This presentation is provided as a public service by the RAND Corporation. Visit www.rand.org to learn more about these issues and to explore RAND's free online library of more than 10,000 policy reports and commentaries.